eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. A big weekend of football on tap. Blake, Florida, this is the season on the line against Georgia this week. And obviously, I think a lot of Florida fans will feel really, really good coming off that Missouri game. We didn't really know what to expect exactly. Florida obviously had 14 scholarship players that were out for that game after the big COVID-19 outbreak in October, including three guys in the secondary. And so I think we went into that Missouri game feeling like we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, anything really could happen. Missouri had been riding a two-game winning streak and really seemed to be playing pretty good football. All of a sudden, you know, a Florida defense that really had struggled through the first three games. Now they're missing three starters in the secondary, didn't know what to expect. Well, Blake, Florida came out and I thought looked much, much improved defensively. Yeah, it's funny. You know, Florida obviously has their weeks off. Um, from taking a pause to, you know, team activities and, you know, really everything from, from top to bottom other than what you can do through distance and, you know, Zoom and, and all those kind of things. So it's, it's, it's different, you know, whenever you see guys that were out, you see, um, you know, obviously Kyrie Campbell coming back. I think that that helped Florida as a front seven in general to have guys in different spots, you know, Brenton Cox, Zachary Carter, all those guys up front. I feel like it was kind of a trickle-down effect for the defense. You know, you have that pressure. Um, you don't let the quarterback sit back there. Because I, I think it makes it tougher whenever you have a quarterback that can just sit back there all day. You know, it makes it tougher on linebackers. It makes it tougher on the secondary. So I think Florida really improved their game a lot by getting, you know, getting some pressure on the quarterback and really showing a little bit more uh, just from top to bottom, just showing everything better on defense. And I think that that was kind of the key for the game. And obviously that's something that's great for Florida to carry into a big game like this with uh, Georgia this weekend. Yeah, when we talked to – defensive coordinator Todd Grantham and kind of asked him if they had shifted anything schematically defensively. That's basically what he said. He said, no, you know, we just, we had a guy like Kyrie Campbell back and, you know, we had talked about it on the podcast a lot going into uh, that Missouri game. And really even before that, that his absence was really hurting the defense just because of what it meant for all the guys around him. Um, Obviously, you know, Florida has not recruited super well at that defensive tackle spot. We've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, and so with him out, you were really having to force Zachary Carter inside more than he probably should be playing. Ideally, you'd like him playing inside really only on pass rush situations where you have a bunch of pass rushers on the field and you know it's a, probably an obvious passing down. But they were able to get him kind of playing out at that strong side defensive end a little bit more, which allowed Brenton Cox to play more as a, a free outside backer, as Todd Grantham said. And I thought he did a better job setting the edge even when he was playing that outside role 
Um, but obviously Zach Carter's a lot better at that. And I think you saw it in the results against Missouri. The Tigers basically could not run the ball at all. They only had 40 yards rushing. Uh, you know, Florida was really, really excellent up front. And I think that that even translated into the back end, you know, even Missouri having to chase the game only threw for 208 yards. So I thought with a little bit more pressure on the quarterback, I think Florida had something like uh, six tackles for a loss and three sacks in the game, you know, a lot more just penetration and involvement in the backfield. I thought it made Missouri very uncomfortable. And I think, uh, you know, that really helped all those younger defensive backs really play well. And, and, and not to take anything away from them, and put it all on the front seven because I thought there were a lot of really good individual performances in the back end. Uh, but at this point, you wonder if that's kind of the Florida that we're going to see going forward on the defensive side of the ball or, you know, if, if, if that's kind of a one-off thing where they had a couple of weeks, they were very fresh from a physical standpoint. Um, I guess I'm curious your take on that. I mean, do you think this is something that's sustainable? Is it something where Florida needs to stick with those younger guys in the secondary, you know, even when those veterans come back? Or, or how would you kind of play this going forward if you're Todd Grantham? You know, I, I, it, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, but I mean, if it was me, I think I've just seen enough of, you know, those, those veteran type guys. I, I've seen enough, I think, of a sample of what they've done so far this season. I think it's time to turn the page, man. I think it's time to get some of those younger guys some burn. Um, obviously, having that front seven, uh, just getting more pressure makes it easier for those guys. I think that it does limit Grantham in some things because I think when you have young guys like that, you're not going to see him really get into his bag of tricks. You're not going to really see him you know, uh, do some of the things maybe that he would want to do defensively just because you have some of those guys that are younger in the, in the back end that you don't want to give them too much. You don't want to – you want to make sure that you, you understand that they're young and that you don't want to put them in a position where they start getting, you know, in their head mentally. You know, they start to, um, you know, kind of second-guess themselves, you know, thinking too much. So I think that it does limit Grantham in the sense that you don't really – you don't want to give them too much because they are young and they still are learning the game. But the same sense, man, I mean, you look at some of those guys in the secondary, especially the secondary, you know, you look at some of those guys that were, you know, those veteran types guys, I mean, man, they're struggling, you know, and, and regardless of, you know, will they struggle the same whenever the, you know, you have a guy like Kyrie Campbell in there who's doing different things. I mean, I, I think that for me, I just, I guess I've seen enough of, uh, you know, what those guys did. And I think that the defense coming off that performance that they did against Missouri, I think it's enough to where, you know, maybe you do throw those guys, those veteran guys in there against Georgia. But for me, you know, if, if you are, they're on a short leash because I think that, again, you know, I've seen enough of what they do and I think they're still seeing those same mistakes. Um, I think if you're going to make a mistake and it's going to be a veteran, you know, that's that's not ideal. But if you're going to make a mistake and you're going to be a young guy and you're going to continue to learn on the fly, I think that that betters you for the future. So that that's just my take at least. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it has to be a short lease if, if those veterans are in there. We've seen particularly in this Georgia matchup, you know, they've been exposed a little bit and obviously third down last year, it was killer. I mean, Florida couldn't get off the field mostly because the secondary wasn't doing its job on third down. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance that. I'm not, I'm not really sure how you do it either. I mean, you know, these young guys, as good as they looked, you know, they, they haven't really all of them played under the big stage on the, you know, under the lights like this. Kyrie sure. has a little bit, but even he said, uh, this is going to be a completely different experience for him because last year he was really only on the field on third down against Georgia. You know, he's going to be playing every snap on Saturday. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they fare there. And, and I think, um, I guess, shifting over to, to this Georgia game a little bit, I think, I think how I'd like to, to talk about this on the podcast is I think first let's talk about some of the matchups and then maybe we'll, we'll look a little bigger picture after that in terms of what this means, you know, kind of going into the second half of the show. But, Blake, I, I look at this Georgia team coming in, and I'll be honest with you, a week 
a week ago before that Missouri game, I wasn't giving Florida much of a chance in this game. I just didn't see it. I didn't think Florida was good enough in the trenches, particularly in the front seven defensively, to really slow down a Georgia ground game that's been pretty good. But having seen Georgia struggle a little bit against Kentucky and really try to protect Stetson Bennett, really, I think he only threw 13 times in the game, something like that, last week against Kentucky. Uh, it seems like Georgia now is at this point where either they're not trusting Stetson Bennett or they're even potentially creating some confidence issues by going back to their kind of bread and butter of the ground game. So the question becomes, can Florida ha- handle you know, that Georgia run game in the front seven and or can the offense be efficient enough to finally solve Kirby Smart's defense and put some early pressure on the Bulldogs by getting out in front of a lead. I'm curious, uh, we'll talk, let's go ahead and just talk kind of our, I guess, keys to the game here. And I'll, and I'll start. I think the key to the game for Florida more than anything else is, and we talked about this last year going into this game, you've got to make Georgia play a game they're not comfortable playing. And, you know, I think Georgia last year was a team that, again, not very comfortable coming from behind. And last year, they had a guy that was a veteran quarterback, a guy like Jake Fromm. So I think that's even more true this year when you have a guy like Stetson Bennett, who really for the last six quarters going back to that second half against Alabama, has really not looked like a very good quarterback. I mean, he's, he's been very kind of rattled, erratic, uh, just not the guy that you saw kind of battle toe-to-toe with Auburn and really look pretty competent throwing the ball. Obviously, he was without you know his top wide receiver in George Pickens last week. The Bulldogs are expecting to get him back. But for me, this game really boils down to Florida has to do what it hasn't been able to do, and that's apply pressure with Florida's offense. You know, you got a quarterback like Kyle Trask, you know, a guy that only comes around once every 10 years or so. You've got a, a first-round talent in Kyle Pitts, who Kirby Smart said in all his years cover, you know, coaching in the SEC, he's never seen a guy that can do what Kyle Pitts do. You have to be able to put pressure on Georgia, and I think the first quarter, to me – that's where this game gets decided. I think Georgia has the better depth and could potentially wear you down if it goes late into the fourth quarter. But if Florida gets out to a big enough lead and forces Stetson Bennett to push and kind of make plays with his arm out of his comfort zone, me, that's where the game gets won if you're Florida. No doubt. Florida has too much of an explosive offense this year not to capitalize on that. And I think that – I don't remember when it was. I know it was a past podcast when we talked that to be a championship team like that LSU team last year that I know has gotten some comparisons to this Florida team this year, you need to have that killer instinct. And I think that having that killer instinct in the first quarter, jumping out, using this explosive offense and kind of uh, instilling your will, Florida just has enough pieces, man. I think that they have enough pieces on offense to where they can come in and they can make this game uncomfortable. You can put yourself in a position to where, you know, you're able to, not have to wait until second half to where the offense wakes up, much like last year in that game. I think that this is the year where Florida has enough pieces. I think the offensive line is, has taken enough strides from last year to this year to where they can put Florida in that position because you know that Georgia, they're going to have a great defense. They're going to try to do a lot of pressure. I watched the Kentucky game where they played a lot last year, and I mean, they blitzed Kentucky crazy. So, I mean, you have to expect that they're going to try to put Kyle Pitts, or excuse me, not Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask in a position to where he's uncomfortable. They're going to try to make him, you know, overthink things. They're going to try to make him, you know, uncomfortable and throw the ball where he doesn't want to. So I think that Florida coming in there and instilling their will and starting off the game hot, I think that that definitely is a key. I also think on the flip side too, you have to put 
you have to put Georgia in a spot to where they're one dimensional. Obviously they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to be physical in the trenches, um, which is, you know, to be quite frank, Florida before that Missouri game didn't show that they can really stop the run consistently. They weren't showing that physical, um, you know, presence on defense up front. I think we have a little bit different of a Florida defense. Now that you have a guy like Kyrie Campbell in there who can kind of take up some of those double teams, let your linebackers kind of flow more freely and not have to worry about getting off blocks and whatnot. So I think that if you make Georgia one dimensional and you make Bennett try to be the guy that's going to have to beat you, I think that Florida is going to have a much better success on defense in doing that. And I also think, too, the key to Florida, I mean, it's it's kind of been their Achilles heel so far on defense. I mean, you have to be more successful on third down also. You can't let Georgia do what they did last year on third down. You can't let what other teams, you know, A&M, other teams this season have done, you know, South Carolina on third and fourth down. You really need to get off the field and you need to give the ball back to your offense, which is very explosive, like I said, and you need to make sure that your offense has the ball um, and just continue to keep your foot on the pedal. Yeah, I think defensively for me, what you're really looking at is the edge run game because Georgia is very, very good with that offensive line, veteran offensive line of moving guys around and, and trying to create leverage on the edge. And we've talked about it, you know, Florida outside of last week has not been very good setting the edge against the run. And a lot of that is that they've been undersized out there. Well, guess what? Zachary Carter ain't there for the first half. He's suspended. So um, again, that, that goes back to the offense, you know, has to put the defense in a position where it's comfortable. And I think, you know, doing that, you get out to an early lead, but also you give, keep, keep the game in play until you get Zach Carter back. Because I do think Georgia's going to be able to have some success in the first half running the ball. Uh, I just don't see another guy that's as capable of doing what Zach Carter has done. Having said that, you also have the advantage potentially of a fresh Carter coming in in the second half where you can probably play him just about every snap at that point. I mean, he's used to that, right? So it's kind of a, an interesting situation. Florida's kind of kind of have to piecemeal it together in the first half. I think what you'll see is a lot of uh, kind of three down, Florida playing three defensive tackles, you know, where Javon Dexter's in there, Kyrie Campbell's in there, Tadaryl Slayton's in there. And then you have two kind of hanging buck rushers off the edge uh, and you play two traditional linebackers. So really almost like a true three, four, but with three defensive tackle types. Uh, I think that's going to be the best way to get size on the field against Georgia. We saw it a little bit um, in previous games, uh, not quite as much against Missouri when they had kind of their more natural look. Uh, but I think that kind of, you know, that, that kind of really a five-man front uh, is what we're going to see a lot of. And then um, this game for me, it's always really interesting when you have an offensive head coach going against a really good defensive head coach and, Dan Mullen has not had a good track record of success against Kirby Smart. So it's going to be interesting to see what they've drawn up. I, there was one thing that caught my eye in that Missouri game last week. Florida gets down into the red zone, and they played a look with seven offensive linemen where they had Josh Braun and Michael Tarquin in there overloaded to the left side. Uh, I want to say that was actually the play where they, they kind of snuck Justin Shorter out to the right and threw an easy touchdown pass. Florida's going to have wrinkles off that, and I think the reason that they put that package out there was to force Kirby Smart to prepare some things and then see, you know, you go throw that look out there again, see how they defend it. There's going to be a new wrinkle or a new option off of that for Florida. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see those kind of matchups. You know, we always see – it always seems like we see some kind of trickeration in this game, whether it's fake punt early on, something like that, a fake field goal, you know, the Mike McNeely play. Whatever it is, there's always something like that, and, and I'll be interested to see kind of what that is. Um, but Blake, I want to talk bigger picture on this game because there, there, I mean, there's no underselling it. This is a pivotal, pivotal game for Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, we'll break down all the implications of this weekend's game in Jacksonville. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Uh, Blake, I wanted to actually start with our five-star mailbag, uh, which, which is a reader, listener, I'm used to readers, listener submitted a five-star review on our Apple podcast, our iTunes podcast, uh, where you submit a question and we answer it. Uh, the question comes from Frank Camarda. With all the heat from the media around the program, specifically Dan Mullen, do you think this team can feed off of this and grow closer as a team? I think Dan Mullen has really shown to be a player's coach, and I have a feeling recruits around the country are going to be fired up on the future of this Florida football team. Like, I don't think there's any better place to start with that than that fight against Missouri, which kind of, you know, Mullen took a lot of heat for in the media for running out there on the field. But I thought really, you know, obviously it's not a good look, and Florida's apologized for it and said it needs to do better than that. But I do think that Florida played with a different edge, really the whole game against Missouri, but particularly in the second half. What we saw from Florida in that second half was that they didn't back down. They finally found a way to close out a game, which had been an issue in the first three games and really cost them against Texas A&M. I always kind of look at teams, you know, there's always, there always seems to be some pivotal moment in a season, whether it's Tim Tebow's speech, the promise, you know, following a loss at Ole Miss. We didn't really get that moment coming out of that A&M game because of the COVID-19 shutdown. I mean, we had three weeks without games and Florida, I thought really, for the most part, they came out pretty focused and obviously a slow, sloppy first half. Um, if you go back to 2008 and you remember after the, the promise speech, Florida was sloppy against Arkansas on the road. I mean, it was a really rough first half. And then all of a sudden, they just kind of hit the afterburners and, and went. And I thought you saw that really leading up into halftime where Florida scores those two quick touchdowns with Kadarius Tony, and, you know, forced the turnover in between. And then you have the fight. I'm curious, Blake, from your standpoint, I think this could be – kind of a defining moment for Florida in this season, particularly if they're able to use that as fuel going into this Georgia game. Do you see that as something that can kind of set this team's identity and really have them rally around something? I think so. I think whenever you look at a guy like Dan Mullen and you see how he was under a guy like Urban Meyer, who, you know, you listen to past interviews from old Florida players, Meyer was a guy that knew how to psychologically get in your head and and hype you up or, or make you think, you know, to get you to do anything. I mean, literally run through a brick wall. And I think that Dan Mullen has, I think he has learned to do a lot of those things. And I think that this fine that, you know, the $25,000 fine that Dan Mullen got for, you know, whatever happened in that Missouri game, I think that that's what money well spent for him. Because I think that whenever you looked at that coming out of that second half, 
team seemed to come out energized. He's, the, seem, the team just seems to kind of feed off of him, whether it's, you know, you look back, I think it was the Missouri game two years ago under his first year, you know, after that where, you know, he had the, you know, I want to thumb wrestle you and I want to kick your ass. And it seemed like that kind of got Florida's team, you know, a whole different way, playing a whole different way, playing more energized. And I think that those things like that, where you look at that, I think the team just feeds off to him. And when you have a guy that's a player's coach like Dan Mullen, and you know that his players, that he cares for them, they're like his own kids. I think whenever you see, whenever you're a player and you see your head coach out there, you know, going toe to toe for you or, or, you know, doing this for you or doing that for you, I think it makes you want to rally behind him. It makes you want to do that run through a brick wall. It makes you want to, you know, the sky is the limit type of thing. So I, I think whenever you look at that, I think it's something that can energize this team. I think when you look at how they played differently, they kind of kicked the rest off there and they were more focused sure it stinks because you lose a guy like Zach Carter in the first half but I think when you look at the rest of the team I think that they're going to rally around this I think they're going to rally around Mullen and they're going to be ready to go to battle with him uh, this Saturday yeah and you know talking about that 2018 coming off that Missouri loss that was the the next game was the game where uh things weren't going particularly well and then Felipe Franks ends up scoring shishes the crowd and and that kind of became like you know Franks kind of played this heel figure even to his own fan base but it worked. I mean, Florida came out and really played with a different edge those next four games. I think Florida's defense obviously has been really, really doubted through the first three games. And I know that, you know, they say that they've, they've, they've heard that, they've felt that, but they don't feel that way within the program. Well, when you can come out and show, finally, after all that criticism, that it is different, that's when you start to see the turnaround. Because it's one thing to say it, but you have to go out there and do it and prove it. And frankly, you're not going to prove it against Missouri. That's not a prove it game, right? That's not a good enough team for you to go out there and prove it. I think that builds to this whole bigger point of if that's the start, you know, the spark, if that's the match that lights the flame, Georgia is the game that turns it into an inferno, right? Georgia is the game that all of a sudden, if you come out and prove it against them, you're in playoff contention. I mean, you're, you're for all intents and purposes, you're now two games up in the SEC East. And really, you, you're in the driver's seat. You should be in Atlanta at that point. You, you're now a one-loss team that's going to get a chance to probably take on Alabama and, and really establish yourself as the program in the SEC East. To me, this is an opportunity that Florida can't afford to pass up. And I think the Gators need to really ride that spark and turn it into something, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, to where they play with just a different nasty edge than we've seen to this point. Yeah, I think so. And I think if, the, if there's a game that you're going to, you know, kind of cash that, you know, the cash that check of, you know, getting your team inspired, what perfect time to do it. You know, I mean, it's the third top 10 matchup against Georgia, Florida. Um, you know, you can break that streak. You know, you can kind of get that monkey off your back if you're Dan Mullen. And, and this is the type of game that you want to, you really want to take that next step as a program. And I think this is the one where you can do that. Well, Blake, obviously this game means a lot for this season in the SEC East, but to me, it's bigger than that even. And, you know, obviously Dan Mullen is not on any sort of hot seat. He's not going to be on any sort of a hot seat, even if he loses this game. But we talk about all the time in college football, momentum is a real thing. Like momentum is a huge factor, both in recruiting, within a season, within a team itself, from year to year. It's just a big thing. And I think going into year three, I don't know, maybe I'm putting too much on this, but it feels like the fan base has built all year into this Georgia game. You won 10 games in your first year. That was ahead of schedule, right? All of a sudden, you win 11 games in your second year, but you still lose to Georgia. You're still maybe a little bit ahead of schedule, but now you're starting to get to that point where the expectation is, okay, eventually, we've got to take that next step. We've got to push whatever button it is. 
to finally get over this Georgia hump. And I think in year three, if you don't, you know, and Kirby Smart beats Dan Mullen's program for the fourth straight time, third straight time at Florida, uh, fourth time winning the SEC East in a row for the Bulldogs if it were to happen, that gets really, really tough to overturn, particularly from a recruiting standpoint. And right now the issue for Florida is George Dubs have more talent. Now it may not look that way on the field Saturday because the Bulldogs have some of their best defensive players banged up. Richard LeCount's going to be out for the game at safety. Uh, Julian Rochester, Jordan Davis, I believe, are both out for the Bulldogs on the defensive line. So George is banged up. Again, not the best QB situation George has walked in with. So I, to me, I look at this game and, and you talk about all those external factors of recruiting and keeping the momentum going within your own program, within your own fan base, keeping the fans engaged. It's hard to lose a rivalry game in your third year like this and continue to feel like the trajectory is continuing upward rather than plateauing. And I think that's the concern for Florida. Uh, you know, if you wrote a book on Dan Mullen coming into Florida, it was that he was going to establish an extremely high floor relative to the last couple of coaches we've seen, right? Florida was never going to be a program that really has those four win seasons anymore under Dan Mullen. It's just not going to happen. And more often than not, he's going to win eight, nine, 10, 11 games. The question was, where's the ceiling? You know, is it 11 games, including a bowl game, or is it, you know, you can finally have one of those years where you only lose one in the regular season, you get to Atlanta, you're competing for an SEC championship and potentially a national championship. This is the kind of game that starts to answer those questions or reinforce those questions in terms of, is this our ceiling? Are these 10, 11 win games our ceiling under Dan Mullen? Because recruiting does have to improve. And this is the kind of game where if you win it, you can really change the narrative to me. Yeah, no doubt. And I think whenever you, you know, I, I guess I'm speaking for a fan base here, but I, I think if you ask more of Florida fans, do you want to win 10, 11 games or do you want to go to Atlanta? Do you want to win the SEC East? Do you want to, you know, do you want to take that next step? I think more, more than none right now would say that they want to beat Georgia. They want to take that next step. Sure, 10, 11 games, you know, going to a New York, uh, New, New York Six Bowl is great. I'm not saying that they, you know, those, you know, they're turning their nose up to that, but I think at this point, would Florida fans want to win on 10, 11 games or, you know, obviously it's a different year, but, or would you rather take that next step as a program and beat Georgia? And I think most of them would want to take that next step. They want to get into Atlanta. They want to see, you know, they want to see what's going to match up against Bama. They want to see that program take that next step. And I don't know that that's necessarily a, you know, total number of wins and losses, but I think it's, when you look at the schedule heading in this year, yeah, Florida had a tough schedule in certain parts, but I think that all boils down to most Florida fans had been circling that Georgia game. That's, you know, all the other games are great. They want to win those games. But I think if Florida fans could have lost every other game in the season but won the Georgia game, I think it's getting to that point where Florida fans just want to see them beat Georgia. It goes back to, you know, when FSU had the five or six game winning streak against Florida, you're just ready to see that snap more than anything. And I do think part of what, has built this Georgia game into such a big thing, even before the season even began, right? Before we knew these teams would be here, one loss each, where if you lose, you're out of the playoff contention, most likely. Uh, you're definitely not going to represent the SEC East being two games back. Before any of that happened, this game was built up because from day one when Dan Mullen arrived, he's built up and, and kind of taken some subtle shots, some not-so-subtle shots at Georgia, walking in and saying, yeah, Georgia won the SEC East last year, but even a blind squirrel finds a nut you know, doing the spring game attendance figure where, you know, they're kind of trolling Georgia a little bit. Those are the kind of things that they're great. And Florida fans will eat them up, eat them up, eat them up. I mean, Steve Spurrier did it all the time, but you know what Steve Spurrier did? He dominated Georgia and he got to Atlanta. And that's the kind of thing where, again, it's not, it's not the end of the world. 
for Dan Mullen if, if he loses this game. I mean, he's got a right. lot of job security. He's got an AD that has worked with him. He's going to give him a He's done a lot leash. of great things at Florida. He, and I don't think any fan is saying that, you know, it, it's time to get rid of him. I think they're saying it's time to beat Georgia, though. Right. And if you don't, then that, you know, that existential question of can we ever do it just gets re- reinforced. And, and I think you start to get that uncomfortable feeling in the fan base. And that's never a fun place to be. That impacts recruiting. You know, recruits see all that kind of stuff of, of fans getting a little discontent. Uh, we saw it even in the first three games with, with uh, the defense. You know, a lot, a lot of fans were not happy about Todd Grantham. And uh, luckily, it hasn't impacted Florida's recruiting so far. But, you know, they're very vocal about that. And Florida fans will let you know when things – they're not happy with things. And so, this is a huge game for Florida. I mean, I, I just really think this is, this is the turning point. You know, there's never one singular game like that. But you talk about the moment we had last week with the team really kind of rallying behind Mullen – you come out and you, you put together a good showing against the Georgia team that is beatable at this point. I mean, they're very beatable. Without those defensive injuries, maybe it's a different story. But this is a beatable Georgia team. I mean, we've seen it. And Florida is very capable of doing it. They have to execute cleanly. You know, you can't leave points on the board like you did in the first half against Missouri. You can't settle for field goals against this Georgia team. But Florida has the pieces. And I think this is the week where if the Gators are going to make a statement about who they are in the national picture, you know, Kyle Trask wants to be in that Heisman race. He's got to have a good game. You know, Florida wants to be in that playoff picture. Flat out, you just got to find a way to, to win this game. And it'll be interesting because there's not going to be all the fanfare and all the hoopla of different years, you know, where you have the crowd and all that to energize you. This is going to be about Florida locking in mentally and, and really coming out ready to execute. You know, last year they had an issue with the wristbands early on. You can't have that kind of stuff if you hope to win these games. So it's going to be a big challenge for Dan Mullen and his staff, but um, – Blake, I guess I'll, I'll toss it over to you. Do you have any sort of feeling about how this game's going to go? We don't necessarily need a score prediction, but do you have any sense of whether you like Florida or Georgia in this game? You know, I do think I like Florida heading into this game just because I think where you look at the underlying fact that I, I think that this team is going to play energized just of what happened last week. They're seeing their coach get beat up in national media. You know, you, you, they've definitely seemed to kind of embrace how you mentioned Felipe's taking sort of that villain role. I mean, you've got Mullen. They're doing edits with Mullen dressed up like Darth Vader and, you know, the evil empire type thing. So I think that they very much have, have accepted that and they're very much rallying around that. I think where you look at Florida having that defensive performance, Yes, it stinks not having Zach Carter in there, but I think overall the defense is looking and playing much better. Florida has a great offense. Everyone knows that. They're explosive. I just feel like there are more things that seem to be going from their last outing and just from what you've seen from both these teams overall. I think there just seems to be more th- – more buzz in Florida's corner here where you look at they really struggled uh, Georgia really struggled against Kentucky this past weekend they really have struggled as a quarterback with Stetson Bennett he just hasn't really seemed like like the guy there's just seems to be questions there I think it's it's one of those games where it's hard to sit there and and me sit there and predict Florida you know I I think whenever I have a score prediction later this week I do think I am leaning Florida but then you have that in the back of your head to where, you know, man, like they, you know, I, I thought Florida was going to do this last year. They did it. You know, it, it all comes down to one of those things where, quite frankly, you just have to see it. You know, you just have to see it finally. You know, have to see, you have to see how this is going to go. You know, you, you'll have an idea of where this game's going to go after you see a little bit of it, obviously. But I think that it's one of those things to where you got to see it to believe it, you know, and I think that if it's, if, and, and I have another question in this in my head too, to where if it's not this year, then when? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's the predominant thing in the fan base is when you've built it up all offseason and you have you have a, a kind of a generational quarterback in Kyle Trask right now who's, who's really, I mean, he's playing at that level. 
and you have a generational talent in tight end Kyle Pitts. You have a guy in Kadarius Tony who's carving everybody up right now. You have the pieces to, to, to at least offensively put the pressure on Georgia. Now, I, I go back to my key in this game is in the trenches. Florida's got to win in the trenches on both sides. You talked about the offensive line. Uh, you know, as, as improved as they've been this year, I thought they were a little shaky against Missouri. Sure, it's definitely right not now. a perfect product at all. Kyle Trask was kind of moved off his spot a little bit, and you know that George is going to do that. So Florida's got to be able to hold up there. However they do it, they've got to be able to hold up on the offensive line. But then I think also that uh, – I go back to that defensive front seven. You cannot allow Georgia to average four to five yards per carry. I mean, if you do that, this game is over. Georgia will take that all day. And I think given Florida's struggles to get off the field on third down, you cannot allow Georgia to get into third manageable situations because even when Florida's in third and long, sometimes they, they have a tendency to give one or two up. So we saw Georgia last year really take advantage of that on third down. It seemed like Florida had so many chances to get off the field and win that game. And Jake Fromm made every throw. And I don't think Stetson Bennett's that guy. I don't, but I think if Florida's going to get to him and impact him, it comes by starting to slow the run on first and second down and putting him into uncomfortable downs where you can use this array of pass rushers that Florida has to really create some pressure and maybe come up with some opportunistic turnovers. Like I lean towards Florida in this game. I would not have said that a week ago. I think Georgia's injuries on the defensive side of the ball, coupled with Florida feeling like it has a little bit more energy, a little more momentum, like you said, a little bit more of an edge now, kind of playing that, that villain role that, that, you know, impressive, very impressive. It is. And uh, I think, I think I'm going to go with Florida in this one. I think, and really I go back to my earlier point. I think it boils down to the offense needs to be sharp early. And if they're sharp early and Florida is able to score 14 in the first quarter, you know, the first two quarters, I really like Florida's chances in this one. Uh, but Blake, that's why they play the games. I mean, we're going to, we're going to have a podcast on Monday and we'll be talking about whether this was a huge setback <laughs> in terms of the momentum or whether Florida is hey, they're here and they're a playoff team. And, uh, that's what you want out of Florida, Georgia games. I, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's disappointing that, you know, COVID will take away some of the fan experience. Uh, but bottom line, when these two teams line up, it's always a great game. And I think we're expecting more of the same on Saturday. So we'll have to tune in and see how it goes, but uh, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the podcast, guys. We encourage you guys to continue to get those five-star mailbag questions in to do that. Just go ahead to iTunes or, or anywhere else you can leave a review. Again, I'm still not totally sure all the places you can leave <laughs> reviews. But uh, you leave us a five-star review, drop us a question in there, and we will answer it on the next episode of the podcast. Don't forget, because I'm sure you guys will have some to drop Saturday evening after this Georgia game, and we'd love to kind of grab a question that, you know, we feel like the fan base is ready to hear answered and get to it on our Monday episode of the podcast. That'll do it for today's show, guys. Thanks for tuning in. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.